you take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Acts chapter 16, we'll be there in a few moments. On Sunday mornings we have been working our way through the book of Acts and felt like that would be appropriate to still do today. I want to thank you for being here today and uh, it is a special day where we are just sharing together. I think a lot that the Lord has done through us together over the last few years and, and I'm super excited about that. We ended our text last week in the last part of chapter 15, so let's go ahead and do that. Let me ask you to stand this morning if you would. And I want to ask you to turn back to verse 36 of chapter 15. We'll start there. We'll read through the verse 10 or so verses of chapter 16. The Apostle Paul, having concluded a council with the leadership of Jerusalem, where they decided some appropriate behavior for the churches, some, decided some theology and practice there. And now Paul is taking that message back to Antioch where he was. And we're going to see here that he's about to launch out on another journey. The title of the message today is From the First Day Until Now. The First Day Until Now. Verse 36 of chapter 15. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And we know that story where John Mark, for reasons unknown to us, sort of abandoned them in the first missionary effort. And so because of this, uh, this issue, Paul and Barnabas are forming two separate missionary teams. In verse 39, the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder from one the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. That's where they started. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. It was the church, um, you know, blessed them in this endeavor. And he went through Syria and Sicilia confirming the churches. He is on his way to Galatia, where he finished that first journey. Now, chapter 16. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, I think we know most of us understand that Timothy was a second generation Christian, probably one to the Lord by his mother and grandmother, and they were most likely won the Lord by Paul on the first missionary journey. So here the fruit of Paul. Verse 3, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which are in those quarters, for they knew all that in his father, that his father was a, was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decree for to keep these were the decrees made at the Jerusalem Council that we just discussed, that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia, or Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So the Holy Spirit is putting these walls around Paul saying, you can't go north, you can't go south. The only direction I really let you go is west is what's happening here. 
And so verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia. Now Macedonia happens to be in the west. And prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas a port, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and this is an island, and the next day to Neapolis, which is an island on the other side of the Aegean Sea, or a port rather. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And the events of verses 13 and 14, and really throughout the chapter, are really hard to overstate, but something happens here that's incredibly important. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the woman, women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. That means she was saved. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, we thank you for the reason that brought us here today, and that is to worship you, Lord, to exalt you. And Lord, in that endeavor, we seek good for ourselves. We, we want to learn more about your word. We want to make application of it. Lord, we want to grow more into the image and likeness of, of, of you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help us with that today. And I, I pray for liberty as I preach today and just for help. Lord, to understand the text and, Lord, just a sentiment that is here as well. And I ask for your help with this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. I recently had the opportunity to preach at the campus church at Pensacola Christian College on what they call their annual family day. And it was a great day. They do a lot of stuff out in the grounds, maybe similar to what we do on Fall Festival Day. And I, I had a great time. Terry and I really enjoyed the day there. And the fellowship was, was really good. The staff are always very accommodating, and really everyone there has always been such great host to us. They put us up in a great room, and in that room was a PCC publication, and it was a magazine that they call The Update. And the cover photo caught my attention, and because it was really a collage, and the collage was a lot of really old pics, and you could tell these pictures were taken 20, 30, maybe even 40 years ago. And it was people teaching and doing different kinds of ministry work. And, and then also blended into the collage were a bunch of new pictures with children and young teachers teaching them. And so as you could kind of get the idea very quickly that this was a collage of time, a collage of history. And the caption at the top of the publication captured my attention because it said this, a legacy in the past with a vision for the future. And I like that. I just like that thought. There's something behind us that's worth celebrating. There's been accomplishment made. There's been some things done. But you know, that work's not finished yet. We still have a vision for the future. And I love that thought. I, that, that sentiment captured my attention. And as I looked at it, of course, 
I couldn't help but think about, you know, uh, Terry and I's time here in our family, 29 years altogether, 25 years here in the ministry, and 20 years as pastorate. And then I, I thought about the 30 years with Brother Hardy was here before me and the legacy that is here. And as I looked at that, that book, I hoped and I prayed that that sentiment could also be representative of what has happened here at Eastland Baptist Church, that we too have a legacy in the past, a long enduring and influence over time, an impact that has occurred in the years behind us. All of us here today are shaped to a degree by the events of our past. And if those events are good and helpful, I think that means good things for us. And I would like to think that what we have done here together over these decades has played some part in pointing other people to Christ. That has grounded people in the faith, has given people a place to fellowship and form friendships, has given us a place where we, you know, we've married our children and we've, we've buried those who've gone on to be with the Lord. I, I trust what we've done in the, in the past, our legacy is that we've done things that we all can be proud of. We have a legacy. And I hope and pray we still have, you know, a little more still in front of us. That we have a hope and a plan and the strength to do something for the Lord and for each other tomorrow. That the road we've traveled that has helped so many isn't anywhere near an end just yet. And that it, as it leads on, we can provide a blessing for yet a future generation. And as I think about today, that's in my heart and I hope it's in yours that we can celebrate a legacy and yet you know, have our eyes cast forward to a vision for the future. Uh, we've accomplished as a church, I think a lot together, and by God's grace there's still yet some more to do. 2,000 years ago, another church had just begun their journey and was beginning to build their own legacy. And that legacy lived on and it still impacts us today in an incredible way. The Apostle Paul was about to embark on his second missionary journey. He had already completed one circuit that traveled through Cyprus and then on the region of Galatia that traveled up north and then he kind of turned around and came back, uh, returned back to Antioch and then on to Jerusalem. Uh, this man had accomplished much in this journey, but his heart yearned for more. In verse number 36 of chapter 5, the Bible says, And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go again and visit the brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. This was Paul's heart. Paul not only wanted to win people to Christ, but he wanted to ground them in the faith and, and see them become disciples, and then they could win people to Christ as well. He was content, uh, not just for what he had done, but he wanted to accomplish more. And so with the blessing of the church at Antioch and, of course, with the church of Jerusalem, two teams set out to cover ground, already claimed for Christ, and then perhaps they could go on and do a little more. Barnabas and John Mark formed one team, and Paul and Silas, Silas was a church leader in Jerusalem, they formed the other. As has been stated, Paul was a bit reluctant to travel with John Mark because of the abandonment that happened right after they had been in Cyprus. But Barnabas, who was ever the encourager, said, no, I'll take him. And he led on this young man. And in time, that healed the schism. For Paul later would say that John Mark was, was a great man. And he was a help to him. And this team would all join together again in time. But, Paul, but Barnabas set sail for Cyprus. 
And Paul and Silas chose another path, this time not by the sea in the Aegean or the Mediterranean, but an inland path back to the region they were in Galatia. They traveled through new cities, and as they did, they no doubt shared the gospel and people were one to Christ. But they finally found their way to Galatia, and the Bible says they confirmed the churches there. That simply means they helped them make sure they were established. And we've already learned they, they put in place some leaders. They taught greater truths, and the people began to flourish, and the churches in Galatia were growing. Paul, seeing that was accomplished, set his sights to Bithynia. Now, we don't have a map in front of us, but Bithynia would have been north. It would have been in the region where a great number of other people would have been, like Germanic people, and, and, and Paul wanted to go that direction. But the Holy Spirit, we don't know through what mechanism, forbade him to go that way. He probably desired then to turn south to the places that he would go in time, Ephesus, Colossae. But the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go that way. And in those same moments then, Paul receives a vision. And the vision is from a man in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia... Uh, from where they were, if you, ge geographically, they were like in a region in Turkey, what's modern-day Turkey, and, and, and Philippi would have been now on into Europe. And they would have to cross the Aegean Sea, which is kind of an outlet of the Mediterranean Sea, and they would have to travel across there to get there. So this would have represented a westward expansion. This would have been the first place where the gospel reached Europe. And, of course, that is significant. And that is significant for us. So through the Holy Spirit's leadership in this vision, Paul and Silas set sail, departing from the port of Troas, landing at the Isle of Samothracia. And then they went on to stay the night there and found, up, found their way in Macedonia at the port of Neapolis. But that's not where Paul thought he should be. And so he traveled 10 miles further inland. He was traveling to the former capital of Alexander the Great. Uh, this was a man who had lived before the, Ro the rise of the Roman Empire, who left a great uh, impression on both Roman and then future Western culture. And so they traveled on to Philippi, named after his father. And there, Paul would establish a beachhead that would reach on then to the complete uh, utter reach of the world, and of course one day would come to us. What happens in Philippi is incredibly significant. In this city, the first church in Europe is born, the West. In this city, a church was born that would become a template church. I, it's not the way the Bible describes it. A flagship church. It would be the only church that Paul would ever look at and say to other churches, boy, here's an example to be like. From them sounds forth the gospel. These are the people who know how to give. Boy, this church, the Philippian church is special and it is unique. And the third reason what happened there was important is that the church at Philippi became the primary, it became the chief, and at times the only place or, or, the, or the source of the Apostle Paul's physical uh, support. I mean, this man's on a mission. And just the way we support missionaries today, that mission work is, is to be supported by individuals and local churches. And this, boy, that task this church took on with earnest. They uh, took to heart the task of supporting the Apostle Paul in the remainder of everything he did for the rest of his life. 
And because of that unique love and care, a special bond formed between Paul and this church. I think all of us know that when you read the book of Philippians, you just sort of get that. That vibe is there. And the heart of that relationship is really felt in this missionary letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, where he thanks them for their support. And he's encouraging them to, to continue on, to love one another, and to support the cause of Christ. Europe's first Christian is saved here. Acts 16 records the salvation of Lydia. Now, Lydia was a lady who we assume had some wealth. She came from Thyatira. Thyatira is a city that was known for its, uh, the purple dye there, and they, they dyed garments. And so she evidently traveled from there uh, to Philippi. She sold that stuff there. She lived in a large enough house that she could invite this missionary team to stay with him. But in time, she also housed the first church in her home. The conversion of Lydia was significant. After Lydia, what the Bible records for us anyway is a demon-possessed woman that was saved. These are the verses, just following the ones that I read today. She followed around Paul and Silas in, in a way that was somewhat annoying, and he cast the demon out, and we believe that she was saved, and she became a Christian and a follower of Christ. That conversion was followed by a jailer. The, when Paul was preaching in Philippi, it created quite a commotion. And so the city was starting to an uproar. They, they took him, the city magistrates, and they, this is one of the first major beatings uh, that Paul received. He was thrown in jail, promptly released. They recognized they hadn't made a mistake. But in that short window of opportunity, the Apostle Paul won the jailer to the, to the Lord. The Lord used an earthquake there to create some, uh, some reason to pay attention. And this man was won to Christ and so we have a wealthy lady from Thyatira, a demon-possessed woman, and a jailer who formed the first church there in Philippi. It's sort of like the membership of Eastland Baptist Church. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's unique. And so Paul goes on journeys after this. He continues in time. He stays there for quite a length of time. He travels on. And uh, uh, the church begins to form. And a synergistic relationship formed between Paul and this group of people who's ever expanding in number. And they love Paul and he loves them. And they give to him. And, and he gives back the wisdom and the truth that he has. And years pass. And the church grows and multiplies. Paul would visit them again about 10 years later. And special efforts are made by the Philippian church to always find Paul, to locate Paul, and, to, and really, if you will, deliver care packages. Sometime later, the Apostle Paul, though, makes his way to Rome. And while in Rome, he's imprisoned. And for all practical purposes, he's waiting his execution. A lot of people abandoned the Apostle Paul, as you would imagine. But the Philippian church did not. Matter of fact, they had an individual in the church, his name was Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus takes a care basket to Paul, unashamed and willing. We believe that Timothy was there with him. And he takes this, this, this care basket. And, of course, he greets Paul in the name of the Philippian church. And they exchange some thoughts. And Paul writes a letter. And uh, this is a letter back to the church. And he sent it back by the hands of Epaphroditus. And if you would 
Take your Bibles with me and turn to Philippians chapter 1. I'll be there the rest of our time. This is what Paul writes back. And with what I've said, and that brief history that Acts 16 provides for us, I want you to listen to these words again and anew as Paul writes back to this church that he loves who's cared for him for well over a decade now. He says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. And what's he thanking them for? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And I love that phrase, the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. And he means that in a very real way. They have been with him physically in support, in prayer. For, for God is my record how greatly I longed after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, and that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ, the day of Christ, and being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, and to the glory and praise of God. I'm not an English teacher, and diagramming sentences was never my forte. But I believe, just to help us kind of find the distilled thought that Paul is saying in this chapter, it goes something like this. I thank my God for you. And I do it all the time. Every time I pray, I remember you. I remember our fellowship in the gospel from the first day. Until now. And I believe the good work God has done, He'll continue. You see, the fellowship He's referring to in this context implies their, their shared experiences together. You see, that was a treasure to Paul. He thanked God for their fellowship, their ongoing, over a decade of encouragement. The work that he saw that they had accomplished together as a team. He was grateful for their salvation. He was grateful for the church. He was grateful for their love towards him. But man, is the fellowship, that striving together for something greater than each and every one of them, the cause of Christ, that thought just filled Paul's heart. We've done something special together is what he says from the first day until now. Together they were serving God 
in a way <clears throat> that many people do not. You know, I broadened my preaching from Acts 16 to Philippians chapter 1, partly because I wanted you to see the context and the connection. Being able to knit together the New Testament is a wonderful thing to understand. And I wanted you to see that. Now, I wanted you to see that from a very humble beginning, great things can happen. Three ragtag, unlikely Christians bonded together in love and purpose, and man, did they accomplish something for the Lord. They were the gas in Paul's engine. They were the source and the fuel of, of, of the energy. He, they, they were the ones who prayed for him that took him all the way to Rome and then on to Spain. And then, you know, the gospel comes to us. I think that's worth understanding. There's a second reason I included these sentiments of Paul. And it's because I think, obviously, and forgive me, I think in so many ways I relate to them. I relate to them. As I reflect on the journey here, 25 years together, and let me say, I'm no Apostle Paul, and luckily you're no devil-possessed save people. <laughs> At least not that I know. <laughs> you know, but together we've done some pretty cool things. You know, for my part, I can say from the first day until now that I, I thank God for our shared fellowship. And I might, Paul, have a confidence that God's work that has started here and, and before my time as a church is going to continue. That our shared legacy in the past will have a future. I think special days are ahead. And that's how I feel about the celebration. That's how I look at it. That's what I take away from today. That together we have something to celebrate and a future to be excited about. Amen. You know, I think about this when I think about this tall from the first day to now. You know, I look over here at some of you and I think many of you were here when I first came. When we came 29 years ago, many of you were here. Many of you were here um, when I became pastor. That means you've probably listened to me preach over 10,000 hours, and I don't know how to say about that, but you, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, you know, I think about this, I joined some of you in the journey. You were already here when I came. And you had already started the legacy. And I'm just grateful for that. There is something utterly unique and special, I just think almost in, unable to explain that when a group of people strive together over a lot of years, man, there's just a neat bond that forms. In chemistry, there are two kind of principal molecular bonds. The first one is called an ionic bond. And this is where electrons are shared kind of loosely. Salt is that. You put it in water, and it breaks apart pretty quickly. There's another kind of bond called a covalent bond. And in a covalent bond, electrons are shared. And, and, and they're shared, and, and they literally go around each other, and that bond is super tight. Matter of fact, it takes like an explosion to pull them apart, and sometimes that won't work. That's the kind of bond that Paul had with the Philippian church. And that's the kind of bond, I think, that we have here in the membership of Eastland Baptist Church. It's sort of like a marriage. It grows more beautiful over time when it's nurtured and it's cared for. A church does that too. 
You know, it's been said that, and we've all seen this for our own children, children often love the most curious things. They'll love an ugly stuffed animal or a blanket um, or different kinds of things. And, you know, they don't love it because the object is, is valuable, but the truth is the object becomes valuable in time because it's so loved. And I think that's true for a church, is I don't know that any of us are innately valuable outside the eyes of God. But because of the love we have here for each other and what we've done together for so many years, there's just a unique love and bond. And so as I, I, I need to take something away from the text, you know, I guess I just want to share in the heart of Paul. You know, we read, we read, we read these books for the theology, and rightly so. We read these books for the principles, and that's right. We extract application for our daily lives, and that's right. But sometimes there's just, there's just sentiment here that I think is worth noting. Paul said, thank you, and uh, so do I. Despite shortcomings and difficulties, thanks for staying the path from the first day until now. Praise the Lord, you didn't have to send me supplies in jail. <laughs> but it got close sometimes. <laughs> but we stood together in building this building and remodeling the whole campus. You know, we stood together in the really difficult days of COVID. When a lot of churches fell apart, we grew instead. Man, we've remodeled, we've tore down, and we've built up, we've laughed, we've cried. We did two services for a while. We navigated some difficult days. We celebrated some great victories from the first day until now. 25 years of pastoring a modern-day Philippi. Uh, that's an incredible gift. Thank you for being good to my family. And here's, here's what's amazing. They're all here. <laughs> like that is a gift no, no preacher gets, I'm hardly aware of. And that's not something I think Terry and I did. I think that's something that you did. The second encouragement is this, is let's be thankful for that past, that heritage, that legacy. But man, let's make sure in, in the days ahead we chart a course for the future. You know, the best kind of legacy to celebrate is a kind that positions people to do something positive in the future. And uh, I think the starting place for that is to make sure that we never take for granted what we have here. Well, that was Paul's heart. If you look over in chapter 2 very quickly, th this church had been everything to Paul. And they, they were the model church. But he goes on to write in chapter 2, verse 1, And if there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, if you care at all, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, and let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better themselves. And look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And he says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. 
And it goes on then, it gives this beautiful theological truth of, of Christ's condescension to us. But he's saying this, just love each other this way, continue to do that. My second encouragement is let's be thankful, but let's protect as we go forward. And, and I, I want you to forgive me if this sounds parental or presumptuous. I don't intend for it to sound that way. But you look in verse 12 with me of that second chapter, okay? <laughs> Can I say this? Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Okay. I'm not dying that I know of. <laughs> but I'm going to be gone. And I want to ask you to rally around the staff that's here, you know, in a way that would be Appropriate Philippians chapter 2. In verse 19 of this chapter, the Apostle Paul says, I, just to make sure, I'm going to leave Timothy with you. I'm going to send Timothy. Okay. We don't have a Timothy, but we have a Daniel. Verse 19. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ, but you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father he has served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently as soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Well, for you that's one week. <laughs> and Daniel will step up here. But you know, here's what's really great about Eastland. We don't just have a Daniel, we have a John. And truly, there is no man like him. We have a Jesse. We have an Andrew. We have a Ben. And maybe most importantly all, we have a Jim. A man who's been almost the entire journey for 40 plus years. That is a treasure. And I would say what Paul says, honor them as you've honored all those who stood here. And when my sabbatical is over, which I want to use primarily to try to find some, to have that vision for the future, or I'm asking the Lord to help me discover what's next in the story of Eastland Baptist Church, then we're going to continue to build the legacy together for a little while longer. And I'm praying that our light, our testimony, our impact will continue to grow and be undiminished but ever brighter. And that will happen if all of us recognize how important it is that we've had something from that first day. And everyone here has a first day. It may not go that far back, but everyone has a first day here at Eastland Baptist Church until now. And if we take care of it, and if we steward it, and if we love other people, and we love each other in the church, then I think we'll probably never make the Word of God in a letter, but we'll have a story to tell and a legacy to celebrate. And that is my prayer. Let me ask you to stand with me today if you would.